filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination non-competition and non-solicitation litigation civil rights and a whole lot more for a free consultation go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster My son is officially, has officially joined his big sister in the Talon Ride or Die Club, and I, I couldn't be more proud. He 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 started picking up a lot of words. He's he's almost two. He'll be two this summer, and uh, he one one of the words he's he's picked up is is Talon. And anytime he sees a DC United logo, he points to the eagle and says Talon and. We have, you know, the a stuffed talon and a talon bobblehead and um, so, some other talon and DC United memorabilia. And, and he's just all about talon. And then half the time he'll, he'll point at talon and then start pumping his fist and going, oh, I'm just I'm just a proud papa. These are important lessons to learn. Another thing I was really proud of um, I, I this is not soccer related, but it is sports related. Uh, um, he loves basketball, and tis the season for basketball. It's just been on all the time because of the tournament. And um, he will look at any ball now and and yell "basketball," and it's very cute. And I'll say, "No, that's a soccer ball," and he'll yell. He'll just insist "basketball" and like say it more intensely and more happily. <laughs> Every time you like, no, that's not a basketball. That's a baseball. Basketball. Um, and, and it's, it's very fun because he just, it's, it's like, he's trying, it's not trying to convince you. He just knows that he loves saying that word, but its effect is convincing you that maybe that is basketball. Is everything basketball? I don't know. Maybe it is. No, I don't know, Ben, you haven't talked to my son. He might, he might be able to convince you. I doubt it. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and Toddlers Gaslighting Us podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Ben Bromley, Jason Anderson. We're all from blackandredunited.com, where we write and talk about DC United and uh, and other things, mostly DC United, though, and that's what we're talking about tonight. They're coming off a bye week, so we're going to do uh, a little, uh, I guess, a quick little roundup, uh, a quick just you mean look at DC Adam's United. news roundup? you remember the full name, Ben? Do you An Adam's remember? Fun Time News Roundup time. There it is. Um, I don't think it'll be that because there's not a lot of news. There's there's a little bit of rumor. Oh, we'll make it that. that. Maybe in We Uendo, always do. But I don't know if you can call it news time. Um, but we'll look at DC United uh, coming off their, their bye week. And then uh, in the second segment, we will look ahead to Orlando City. DC United plays down there uh this sunday march 31st 6 30 p.m on fs1 so watch it if you're going down there awesome kudos to you enjoy the warmth if not watch it on tv because it'll be on national tv hooray before we talk about anything else though jason what are you drinking uh i was on the verge of trying to make some other tequila drink or maybe just drinking tequila I realize I've been kind of doing that over and over again. And I, for the sake of our listeners, uh, mostly I decided to go variety's sake uh, and, and change it a little. 
Uh, so instead, I've got a Kentucky Mule. Uh, so I've got some Evan Williams, uh, some ginger beer, and some lime juice, and some ice cubes, and a glass. I put those things together. Very nice. Uh, I I have a pretty good um, and very reasonably priced uh, Pinot Noir from my local grocery store. Um, it, it's what was left in the bottle after last night. And so I'm just polishing it off. It's tasty. It's a good little Pinot. Uh, ben, how about you? So I am in a mood tonight, not the least of which uh, reasons of which is because we're playing Orlando city uh, this coming weekend. Um, but I also Everyone's had to drive favorite opponent. Uh, no, no one's favorite opponent. I don't even, I'm not even going to uh, deign them with a joke. Um, and I also had to drive again a thousand miles this past weekend, like I did two weekends ago. So, but on the upside, uh, we were in Tennessee over the weekend, and I was able to purchase a bottle of uh, Chattanooga whiskey's uh, 1816 Reserve, which they do this weird thing where it makes it seem fancier than it really is. They take a uh, hundred barrels of whiskey and 90 of them are two year old whiskey. So the minimum that you can have to be called bourbon uh, or straight bourbon, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 10 barrels are nine year old whiskey and they mix that all together and then pour it into bottles. So you math experts out there can math the average age of the whiskey in there. It's like, 2.5 or three years or something like that, but it does give it a depth of flavor that's different than a just regular two-year-old whiskey or a regular blended bourbon. Uh, and it's a it's a micro it's a micro distillery and it's pretty decent and it's something you can't get here in Virginia at the ABC store. So, uh, vive la différence at least. Vive la ten, vive la, vive la Tennessee, I guess. No, something. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I mean, you didn't go to France to get this. Why are we saying Vive la France? No, I said Vive la Difference. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. I you know, I stand, uh, I guess I misheard it, you or something. Our French anyway. language skills aren't the best. There are probably I, worse podcasts at speaking French than us. But not many. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know that. No, there there are, many. Bunch, I bet there are many. Uh, we're just def- we're not. I would say not in the top ten of all podcasts at speaking <laughs> French. We are in the top know. ten of all podcasts, though. I mean, you I can't know. empirically prove otherwise. I think you probably could, but there there are some metrics that if, would probably indicate you, otherwise. Yes. Look, if you are an actual uh, scientist of some kind uh, and can empirically, with data, prove that we are not one of the top ten podcasts. No. No, 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 I'm out. I'm out on this. I'm out on all of this. No. But what we want you to do is try to prove the subjective opinion that we are among the 10 best podcasts wrong. And and we're we're knowledgeable enough about science to know that you can't just throw, you know, some random data points together. We want to see something, you know, double blind. um, At the underscore AMT at Chest Rockwell 14. Do not at me on this. This is what happens after a bye week. Um, I, I I feel like I don't know what to do. This this is weird. This is a this is a relatively different experience of a bye week. Um, Just jump into it, man. I, I think because of of last 
last year, the run-in, when when United was good, there were no bye weeks ever. It was just constant. And um, it does feel like a long time since there was time. Yeah. Yeah. This bye week was the longest bye week I can remember. Um, and, And it's because United's good. And we didn't get that soccer dopamine kick that we've been getting um, you know, we we had to go cult turkey there from October until last month, but we uh, we we've been getting it through preseason and and then the real stuff uh, for three weeks and then a week off. Just it was bad, man. It felt long. I don't even know what to do with myself. I mean, I have family and stuff, and I do that anyway. Whether there's you should have driven not, a thousand miles. I'm not sure I should have. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I went to the Spirits preseason game, which is almost a thousand miles away. <laughs> That's mm. true. Did you drive from 9 a.m. local time to 11 p.m. local time? Uh, it felt like it. But it wasn't. Wasn't you know, it? Ben, you can't, do, do not belittle his subjective <laughs> experience, his truth. No, I'm sure Ben's drive was actually much more arduous than a trip to the Plex, but a trip to the Plex is Did- at least a little arduous. Did you have a toddler really far from everywhere? Did you have a toddler who projectile vomited in the backseat of your car uh, oh, on the course there, of a I'm nine sorry. hour drive? Uh, I mean, I had to handle myself. Did you projectile vomit in your car? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> uh, who can I say have, I had, I had Kim McCauley with me as well. And I, I don't recall either of us vomiting at any point projectile or otherwise. Uh, I mean, you're probably I will more say likely. from experience, Kim is a great road trip partner. Yeah, it was fun. We recorded a podcast coming back from Baltimore once uh, after after the super draft, and it was it was a lot of fun. It made the drive very fun. Um, also fun, DC United. Just a little reminder of where we are. Um, first place, tied for first in the East. Uh, on seven points from from three games, seven goals for, no goals against. Only team in the league that can say that. Yay! Good feelings. Got some great uh, results uh, while while idle. Yeah, absolutely. Well. The the uh, the fact that you know, as we'll we'll talk about it later, but the Red Bulls lost uh, to Orlando, At uh, Atlanta, Atlanta, and Philadelphia had a draw. Um, the crew got was- wiped. Yes, the crew. Uh, wait, the crew went to Philly. The crew lost in Philly. Oh yeah, um, I've gone too far back on my list of games. Um, yeah, that's what's happening. Um, yeah, so like you know, Philly. Philly has looked terrible, but beat the crew who had looked pretty good. Um, Cincinnati and, and is winning. Granted, games. the crew were missing Zardes and Trap. Sure, but but you know the Union have. I mean, the Union were missing Marco Fabian. So yeah, um, it was. But doesn't go on his role. It was a slapdash kind of game, but the result was good. Um, Cincinnati is picking off teams in the East, which I don't think we expected at this point. So that's a, a no. plus. Um, granted, you know, the Revs are garbage. <laughs> um, so I, on the other hand, I'm not entirely surprised that they found a way to completely look terrible. And also, uh, I'm not surprised that Brad Friedel decided that uh, it was all the players' fault and, and has nothing to do with him. How did they find a manager worse than Steve Nichol? Uh, I think this is just what happens if you continue to behave like the revs over and over again. Uh, you know, random the the randomness of life might lead you to worse places. Uh, it might lead you to better places, but probably not. Maybe they should hire Chris Klein from the Galaxy next and make him the GM with Brad Friedel as the coach. The Galaxy I mean, might actually be good this year, so 
But Chris I mean, Klein granted, still they sucks. They have all the money. When you have all the money, you can fall well, they, into they get, a good the situation. Also took some of Chris Klein's responsibility and gave it to better people. Um, That's true. Dennis Teclosa is making decisions there that Chris Klein wasn't. So that probably helps. Yeah, that's true. Um, not to end the, the run of good feelings, but, um, rumors about Lucho have officially begun. Fenerbahce rumored to be in for, for him, or at least talking to him or DC United about him. Um, I, th- this I think we have to just get used to. This is going to be a thing until it's done, basically, until he signs a long-term contract with United, and even then it could keep going, or he's he's out the door. This is going to be something that just we're going to have to get used to. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of rumors in the press because he was linked with PSG and because Wayne Rooney is now his teammate. So he's going to get a lot of rumors regardless. But he's really good, so he's going to get rumors because he's really good, because he's going to be connected with people. And the fact that DC United hasn't re-signed him yet, uh, unless he pulls a Leo Hara and re-signs near the very end just to do United a, a solid, I don't know if that's happening. So I'm just preparing myself for losing him on a pre-contract this summer. Well, you know, the thing with a pre-contract, at least, I mean, you know, financially, that's pretty terrible for the team. Um, but it does mean he'll still be here for the rest of this season. Um, but, yeah, I think if they do re-sign him, we'll see these rumors go away for probably a year. And then next summer, they'll pick up again pretty intensely. Uh, because I imagine that if they do re-sign him, it would be with um, a transfer clause that works for him and gets him... Um, over to Europe, maybe maybe at a lower price tag than he otherwise would have gone uh, this winter. Um, that's how I imagine that scenario would work if he were to resign. I don't think he would resign without that clause being something that he was comfortable with, um, because you know his aspirations are to play at a higher level than MLS, and there's not much you know DC United can't do anything about that. Um, you know, there's no replacing the Champions League in people's minds, um, and that includes Lucho. So. Um, you know, it's it's something that could go away briefly only if they re-sign him. Um, if that doesn't come to pass, if he's still out there as a possible free transfer target or um, you have teams trying to decide whether they want to bid on a pre-contract or try and jump the line and pay DC United something to make it happen six months in advance, um, you know, you're, you're probably going to have teams that want both of those things. It's probably going to be a big group. I mean... If PSG hadn't come in, I don't think the buzz would be as significant. But if you're Fenerbahce or if you're, you know, a team in the middle, you know, the, the mid-tier of tier, uh, Syria or something like that, you might say like, well, I don't know that much about this guy. But if PSG is interested, then we should probably be interested. Lucho, um, yeah. please don't go to Celtic. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't yeah. Do, if you're don't a team that's that. on the edge of the Champions League places in... Spain, for instance, and you happen to find yourself coming to DC, maybe you take a close look at him. I don't know. Sure. Um, not to, not to, that, that felt really specific. It was not meant to be about <laughs> Real Betis and no one else, but, <laughs> but yeah, you know, you know, with Fenerbahce specifically, they are having a really bad season by their standards. They, 
they're a huge club in Turkey. They are supposed to be competing for championships, making the what? Champions League, that kind yeah, of thing. It, it, it's them and the Galatasaray, right? Them, Galatasaray, and Besiktas um, oh, right. are the three giant clubs in Istanbul, and they all expect to be competing at the top. Um, so I imagine that this is a, um, you know, they're not going to be in the Champions League or the Europa League unless, I don't know how they're doing in the Turkish Cup. Maybe maybe they'll get in that way, but um, I don't think they're about to play in Europe at all. So this is probably for them a like, hey, we're trying to fix things kind of move. Like, hey, you know, take it easy. We got new guys coming in. Next year's going to be better. Um, but we we all know from various other MLS transfer sagas, you know, Fabian Castillo is a good example. Um, moves to Turkey are tricky. Uh, they are not straightforward for anyone. It never seems to go very smoothly. Um, it's not just an MLS to Turkey thing. It, it just seems to happen a lot. Um I don't really know why. Um, I know in some cases it does go fine and we were probably getting some confirmation bias there, but um, I imagine that this is more leverage than it is a real um, hot rumor, so to speak. Um, I, I feel like we're going to hear a few of these where it's like, yeah, maybe, but um, probably not. Um, but yeah, when you like, st- oh, go ahead, uh, I just feel like, Spain or France or Italy would be really good for Lucio out of the yeah, European I mean, leagues. Those, those are the leagues that make sense. But as we see with a lot of these leagues, the big there's a, such a difference between the clubs that are good and the clubs that are bad. And so if you're a really good Dutch club that could be in the Europa League or the Champions League next year, um, Lucho could be very appealing. If you're Anderlecht, uh, to go back to the Andy Nahara days, they they could be pretty interested. Um, if you're, you know, one of these other, I mean, there are plenty of leagues where the top teams are as good as your mid mid table teams in France and Spain. Um, but the bottom clubs in those leagues are much worse. They're, you know, bottom of MLS kind of quality. So I think we're going to see a, a wide range of teams because now that, well, you know, like I said, once PSG became attached, it's sort of like how there's a stretch of time there where it seemed like DC was kind of letting Atlanta do their scouting for them a little bit. Um, if you can't afford scouting, you find someone else who's good at it and just try and, uh, you know, take their ideas. It's not if you can't do better, it's not the worst uh, plan B. Um, so if I'm one of these other teams and PSG is interested in a guy from MLS, I'm like, hey, maybe we should be paying attention to that guy. Um, so I, I, th- I think we're going to be seeing a lot of rumors like this. I don't, this is the first one and it's not going to be the last one. On the flip side of, of the transfer coin, um, going to do a little mini Twitter box here. Um, answer a question we got from Tim flesh who is at Tim underscore flesh on Twitter. He asked at filibuster DCU. I know we have an international slot available. Do you think we'll continue to look for a potential starting center back to challenge Briant? Um, I think right now the answer is no. I think that United did trade for with to with Portland for an international slot right before the season started, and um, they they haven't done anything with it. Um, it. It feels like a move. They're just they know that there are moves to be made this summer, whether or not Lucho goes. And if he goes, if 
Lucho leaves this summer that will not free up a, an international slot because he's got a green card. So he's a domestic player for, for MLS roster purposes. So I, I think that's a move made with summer in mind, knowing that the, the price of international slots goes up. And I think I agree with that, especially three games in, no goals conceded. Briant's looked pretty good. Um, Burn bombs looked really good. And the, the central midfield has looked like the best unit in the league. So I, I can't see Casper and Olsen going out and making a big move right now uh, to change that, especially knowing that international leagues, most of the transfer windows are closed around the world right now, which means that anybody we buy from abroad will not be replaced on their current team until this summer when for most of those leagues, the season will be over. So we're, we're either looking for a player at a team whose season is effectively over already, uh, or we're looking for someone who's surplus to requirements at their current team. And those aren't necessarily who you want to be bringing in, uh, especially to get no preseason to jump into the middle of it. Um, so you specifically right mean and, in, and, this, in this window, you never said yeah. this oh, in window. this window. Yeah. Yeah. In this window, I don't think they're going to, do anything at center back or or really any other position because I don't think that there are many players to be had and things are going pretty well right now that that felt like a keep your flex keep yourself flexible to to whatever may arise whatever opportunities um, you might be able to take advantage of and don't you know make sure you're ready to take advantage of those when they present themselves not we have a move to make let's get this slot so we can make it so I think that that international slot if it gets used, it'll be this summer. Yeah, you, you go ahead, Ben. No, you you buy it uh, when it's cheap, and then you keep it for when you need it. I think they're definitely going to make a move in the summer window, and not in this current window, which was the original question. Like I said, that Adam didn't uh, uh, really announce that that was the question. Uh, I don't think they're doing anything else this window, uh, the one that ends in May. Uh, I know that they. Uh, in previous years, like the uh, the Chris Rolf trade happened in April, and that was a season changing trade, uh, so that they could do something like that. I don't see it this year. The team is clicking too well right now. I I do think they're going to make a big move in the summer. Um, they've got room to add a a high level player, especially if uh, things with Lucho Acosta are not going well. They could structure something so they could get a TAM player who balloons to a DP. Uh, but yeah, I think they're going to definitely do something big in the summer. I don't know where it's going to be. It could be, it, it depends on the needs of the team at the time. It could be uh, attacking midfield. It could be a winger. It could be a central defender. Uh, it, it just depends. It could even be a, a central defensive midfielder. If Durkin is on his way out and yeah, they, could possibly sell. They, yeah, they could sell Moreno for for a profit because he's playing really well too. There's a lot of moving parts around. Uh, could even be a goalkeeper. The Bill Habib is not signed after the end of this year, and the better he plays, the more uh, Michelanda is going to ask for. So there are a lot of things. There are a lot of moving parts right now, and th- I think they're definitely going to do at least one, but probably two or three big moves this summer. It's just going to be a minute before they do them. Yeah. Ben, Ben kind of brings up where I was going to go with it, which is that um, 
you know, we talk about uh, all the different big moves they could make, but the fact is that three of the starting lineup right now are guys that are on loan. Um, Hamid's on loan from Mitchell and Hara is on loan from Boca Juniors. TT Rodriguez is on loan from Estudiantes. Those are all going to be pricey. One, you want to get those players, I think, under contract. I think everyone at this point would agree that it's good to retain the three of them for the future. Um, but those are going to be costly moves. Those are not things that can just happen um, very easily. So that those might be the big splashes. They might not be dramatic uh, upgrades to the, the lineup as it is. It might be more of a let's make sure these guys don't go anywhere next year. Um, as far as Briant goes, I think he's responded to the challenge really well so far this season of, um, you know, United spent all the whole off season saying we want a center back. We want a center back. Um, even after they signed, uh, Donovan Pines with homegrown deal, they were still saying we're looking for center backs. Um, and Briant has stepped his game up quite a bit. Um, They've also mentioned more than or Ben Olson has mentioned more than once that he thinks this could be a big year for Jalen Robinson. So competition at training might be stronger than it has been in the past. Um, and, it, you know, the other side of this is that as much as we talk about Briant being not necessarily um, this thrilling, outstanding, best 11 caliber center back, he has been on a playoff team every single season he's been in MLS and he's been the starter on all of those teams for a reason. He's not bad. Um, and right, the way he's playing right now, I think actually makes him um, and granted, you know, we're three games in, we're extremely small sample size, but if he's able to keep this up, um, I think it allows for United to start considering the prospect of Briant serves as a bridge for Donovan Pines to take over as a starter. Um, because you don't want to go spend seven figures on another center back when you then have Pines looking around wondering, well, how am I going to get on the field? Um, because he does have that. His ceiling is extraordinarily high. Um, if anyone's been watching Loudon play so far, he's been their best player by a pretty healthy margin. I thought in their last game against Memphis, he was the best player on either team uh, over 90 minutes. Um, and that's not just Maryland bias talking. Uh, that's he's just he's playing above and beyond at, at that level on a team that has still that still looks like they're sort of in their preseason. He's still doing it, playing at that level. Um, so, yeah, I think there are multiple factors that kind of lower the chances of a move at center back. I think Briant, to his credit, has really made that an easier decision to make uh, to, to say, OK, let's stick with this guy for another year. Um, the fact that Pines is there is an, a reason to maybe hold off uh, on making a move. And then on top of all that, you've got three pretty expensive uh, or potentially expensive. We know that the um, Rodriguez fee is is fairly steep. Uh, Hara is not going to be cheap. And Hamid, the way he's playing, I don't think he's going to be cheap either because um, Michelin has a reputation of being extremely uh, shrewd and intelligent with with this sort of thing. So they're not going to be like, uh, yeah, he's not going to play here, so you guys can just have him. That's not going to happen. And they played hard. And they played hard ball with DC United this past uh, or last summer. Uh, DC United wanted, by all rumors, wanted to buy him last summer, and Mitchell was basically like, "Now nah, you got to give us more." And so that's why yeah. he's on loan here and not back right. on a on a permanent deal. Yeah, they. This is not a. I mean, they're not jerks about it, but this is not a team that's just handing out. Um, players left and right. They are running this thing very economically. Um, 
very efficiently. They're, they, this is a, a team that's known for their data-based approach. And so you can be sure that they are not going to um, agree to any transfer with Hamid until they've looked over the data. And if they look at Hamid's data from his performances in MLS, they're going to be like, hey, this guy's good. He's valuable. Um, let's not give him back for nothing. So um, that's, I think, more and more is where the summer is going to be, is just shoring up, um, turning those loans into permanent transfers. And I, I, this is mostly a joke, uh, but if they sell Lucho Acosta and maybe move TT Rodriguez inside, uh, they've always got uh, Griffin Yao, who's lighting up USL right now, that they could just put on the uh, on the on the wing and just uh, keep going from there. Wait, he's only scored the one goal, right? And it was deflected. It was like a Jesse Zardes goal. It was not like Jesse it was, Zardes level. Come I on, I mean, it was like it was like his goal against. Ecuador and no. was deflected and looped way up over and then settled I don't into know the net. That. But still, um, but uh, yeah, harsh I mean, buzz. No, I Adam, mean Ben Olsen Adam, said that Adam, Adam, I am going to Adam, Adam, I'm going to keep your mellow going, dude. Adam, bro, Adam, I never say bro. You're making me say bro. No, I'm not. You chose you that. No, that was you. you uh, chose that. Ben Olsen has said that Griffin Yao could make his way into the 18 this year especially in uh when, when dc united has some some fixture congestion as they do coming up over the next month they have seven games in the next month um including uh like starting this weekend seven games uh that includes a saturday tuesday saturday turnaround Why followed by a sunday sunday wednesday sunday turnaround april and I'm including March 31st in, in April because um, it may as well be is really busy. Did March as well be lousy, smart weather, Ben. Uh, well, why it, is spring, it, like, why is spring always this bad? I guess it's just because summer tournaments, but it always seems like for DC United, either April or May is just a insane ramble bamble of soccer this games. Year, this year it's especially so because they're, cramming 34 games into 30 weeks um, and then taking two of those weeks off for, for gold cup. So there's even less time or maybe, maybe those two weeks don't count against the 30, but they, they did shorten the season this year. They took October right. off the table as a regular season month. And now the, the, that'll be the playoffs in October with the, the MLS cup in in early november instead of early december so they're they're squeezing the schedule even further and i was talking with a friend actually about um the decisions teams have to make because there there were games as we talked about earlier in the segment there were mls games this weekend despite a lot of players being gone for international duty during the fifa window and my understanding is mls teams get to choose whether to play during those windows or not and uh, obviously the Red Bulls and the crew and Orlando and Philly, um, they all chose to play during this window. And I, I wonder how much of that is the calculus of we can get a game, you know, get a game out of the way early in the season when teams are still kind of figuring it out. Although that seems to be a little bit less the case for some teams this year. Well, um, well, listen and, to this and do that with, you know, with players missing, like the crew were missing Trap and, and Zardes. And then we will have one fewer game to worry about fitting in 
the rest of the year when we have to play. That's one less midweek game we have to play. That's one less short rest game we might have to play later. But we'll do it shorthanded right Right. now. And obviously for the crew and for the Red Bulls, that didn't work out so well. And that's good. But it's still a a risk reward they had to to take. And DC United does have the fixture congestion coming up right now, um, whether or not they would have played this past week. So um, yeah. So, but look, but listen to this this uh, DC United ro- backup roster: uh, Ulysses Segura, Zoltan Stieber, maybe Tite Rodriguez inside, and then Quincy Ameriqua up top. Chris Durkin playing in the in the midfield for a team that has a short roster, at least as we have popularly conceptualized it. That's still a pretty good attacking uh, five of six uh, that they have as as backups. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see TT inside. Um, I I hope we get to see that and get a proof of concept. And you know, Marqua needs to get some minutes. Chris McCann needs to get minutes. Uh, oh yeah, Durkin Stevie and McCann. There, there, there's get, there's your front six then. <laughs> uh, Stevie obviously needs to get some minutes um, out there as well. So that this will be an opportunity. And Ben Olson has has said this that they might go 18 deep over the next month. Um, just with people, players cycling in and, and players rotating. I don't know if we'll see Donovan Pines make the 18 for DC United during this stretch, but uh, we might see Jalen Robinson start a game. It'll be, it, or, or two, who knows? Um, it, it'll be interesting to see what kind of roster juggling Ben Olsen has to do during this this month that's coming up. Yeah, and, and this is life in MLS a little bit. Like, I, I think every spring is like this for DC because it's like that for most teams in the league. Um, a team like the Red Bulls, for example, got time off during the or had the option of taking time off because of their Champions League commitments. And so you have to fill in, you have to play games in which in windows that you wouldn't have otherwise been playing. Um, and, and also to the point of, teams getting to choose whether they play or not. It's more like they get to put in a yes or no request. And then MLS makes the schedule anyway. Um, You can say, well, we don't want to play that weekend, but you might end up having to play that weekend. Um, And I, I guarantee that some of the teams that had to play this weekend were just given the, you know, short straw. And they were like, look, there's no way to make the schedule work unless you guys play this weekend. So you got to play this weekend. Um, Every team has their, game or two on the schedule where they're looking at it and they're like, this sucks. I don't want to have to play, you know, at new England and then at Vancouver on short rest. That's terrible. And the league is like, yeah, well tough break. Um, <laughs> and that's pretty much it. So, um, DC's tough break is, uh, not too far away. I think it's what 13 games in two months, something like that. Um, yeah, it's Seven a lot of them in the next month. Yeah. Right. So, so, you know, the players that haven't gotten a lot of time, they need to make sure that they're sharp. Um, I know that um, after both home games, Ameriqua uh, has been on the fitness bike um, in the locker room. Um, when we, by the time we're done uh, interviewing Olsen, we come in there, he's already on the bike going hard. So he's, he pretty much comes off the field and is immediately um, getting on the bike, getting warm. And then uh, I'm sure there's Johnny Northeast has probably a, a program that he runs that is just to make sure because his preseason was truncated um, to make sure that he's building some fitness every single day. Um, it, you know, that's the situation that they're in right now because 
Wayne Rooney doesn't really come out of games too often if you don't have to, but we'll probably see him subbed out here and there because, you know, he's 33 and there's a billion games in a very short amount of time. Uh, the same thing will happen with Lucho. Um, we will probably see Durkin get a start in central midfield at some point. We'll probably see McCann play left back because you can't have uh, both fullbacks running themselves into the ground. Um, we might see Akeem Ward get a start uh, to give Hara a break. There's a lot of uh, a lot of variables going on that um, you know. I, I think Olson mentioned after the last um, the last game that one of the reasons he substituted Ariola and not Rooney or Lucho was because Ariola had games this week, whereas Lucho and Rooney, like Rooney, I think went on vacation. If if uh, my memory is correct, um, and meanwhile Ariola played two games with the national team. So um, the idea of rotating to protect players from future wear and tear is already in place. It's just, you know, looking at every single player's commitments and saying, okay, this is someone we need to rotate. Whereas this is someone that can, can push a little more right now. Yeah. The game I'm kind of like, there are a couple of games I'm, I'm looking at in this, this upcoming stretch. And it, it really goes from, March 31st, this Sunday, up through June 1st. And it's, I think, 14 games in that stretch. Um, and then there's three weeks off until during the Gold Cup until right. we, we get Orlando at home on oh, June 26th. I mean, that's another reason that we're yeah. stuck yeah, with we, this sandwich uh, schedule where every game is, or game is every day, it seems like, is the Gold mm-hmm. Cup is happening because there's always a Gold Cup somehow. Yeah. It's it's every other year, but it's every the gold year cup that happens every year, even though it doesn't need to. Yeah, but there's a there's a trip to Colorado on four days rest uh, in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, a trip DC to Columbus to Minnesota isn't isn't too bad, I think, of a road trip. But um, that that Colorado at altitude at four days rest is going to be it's going to be rough. Well, Colorado's always rough, even when they're bad. Right, and it, and it's not just Which they usually are. It's not just Colorado on four days rest. It's playing on the sixth against LAFC, then playing on it's Saturday, Tuesday, and then of you know short rest. Uh, you know, not as short as Saturday, Tuesday, but still, um, you throw in the altitude, uh, kind of in the travel. It's, it's as if you got one less day rest. Um, so yeah, that week, you know, and also it's LAFC is one of the best teams in the league. Montreal has looked very good. Um, and let's not remember, or let's not forget that the preseason game in which they smoked DC wasn't long ago. Um, and then you've got, you know, Colorado at the end of that. So that's, that's a rough week and that's not, you know, it's, it's just, you know, just barely beyond the horizon. Well, we will look a little bit more immediately after the break, DC United versus Orlando. We'll preview that in just a minute. Stick around. It's filibuster. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But But if this were a hostile work environment or if I were trying to steal your wages or or do something else oh, nefarious in a I'm really not. Uh but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. 
It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. the Black and Red United podcast. Our long national bye week is over. DC United will resume their 2019 season this Sunday on national TV from Central Florida as they make this year's visit to Orlando to face the Purple Lions, 6.30 p.m., uh, FS1, Sunday night. Watch it. It'll be fun. (laughs) You know, probably. Um, Before we get into the details of the game, I... uh, what are you drinking? I just want. No, we did that already. You tried it sounded to sounded like me. that's what you were getting into. Okay, I have a speech pattern, Ben. It's true. <laughs> we all have them. I'm drinking a Kentucky Mule. <laughs> still? I'm not drinking a Manhattan. Oh. oh. I'm still drinking my wine. So thanks, Ben. Uh <laughs> Before we get into it, I, I want to look back at the last, not not the games themselves, but the circumstances around the last two times we've played Orlando City. First game of last year. Uh, not bad. We're, we're coming into this massive road trip. DC United gets in the lead, goes up a man, and then somehow gives up a goal and plays like crap um, after they go up a man and ends up leaving with the m- most disappointing point of the year probably and then the the second game the return game at Audi Field later that year is is probably the single most famous moment in the stadium's short history um with with Lucho's hat trick and and uh the buzzard beater Wayne Rooney's tackle um tracking back on Will Will Johnson and sending in that cross to Lucho for the game winner those two games in a way defined United's two halves of the season. And, and I'm not ready for this game to define the season um, coming up this weekend because the season has been really good and I don't want it to be defined by some kind of change in this game. Um, and that's my own anxiety coming out that I wasn't expecting to, that was not where I expected that, that little monologue to go. Somebody else start talking, please. What if it's defined by just something good? I'm, what if it's defined be by great. Us? beating up on Orlando city because they are terrible and their fans are terrible and they still employ Will Johnson somehow, even though he, and he has started games this season. I'd like to apologize to our listeners. I did not preface Orlando city by saying this is everyone and especially Ben's favorite opponent of the year. Um, yeah, they remain like, I, I, I'll keep saying it. Cause I know I've said it so many times. I dislike them more than I dislike the red bulls. And I don't care. They're bad. I hope we thrash them 17 to nothing. Here's the thing. They are bad. And they, yeah. now, I 
pounded my knee really hard for emphasis there. And I didn't need to do that. This is not a visual <laughs> medium. And it really hurt. Ow. No. Poor Adam. Orlando City have been bad for their entire existence. Um, they, they've never made the playoffs. They James uh, O'Connor is not a good coach. He was really good in Louisville. I will say that. And and who many, knows? Maybe I mean many people were good in the USL and not in MLS. That's that's fair. True of coaches and players. Uh, before we get into their their history of tire fires, um, they won a game this past weekend. I think it was their second win in a calendar year in 12 months. They've won two games. That's how bad they are. But they took advantage of Aaron Long's absence and went to Red Bull Arena and beat the Metros, which is not something many teams do these days. Um, Jason, did you get a chance to look at that game? What exactly happened that, that Orlando won a game, let alone a game at Red Bull Arena? Uh, I mean, they kind of reduced the game to very, it, it was a very uneventful game. Um, they're, the Red Bulls missing just enough people, even though, you know, they still had a bunch of good players in their midfield uh, guys that start on a regular basis. Um, it's, this wasn't like they rotated BWP out or something. Um, I guess Kaku's not playing for them right now because of yeah, his but own thing. They've kind of gotten used to that um, between the preseason and, and the last two games, they seem kind of prepared for that. Um, no, or, Orlando went to Red Bull Arena and basically made sure that soccer didn't really occur. Um, and then they took their, I mean, the passing accuracy in this game uh, is the, the Red Bulls were at 63% and Orlando was at 57%. It was dreadful. Um, but if you're Orlando and you go to Red Bull Arena um, and that's how the game goes, then that's great. Um, <laughs> I don't think they really cared. Uh, they probably would have been fine with having a lower um a passing accuracy, if that's what it took, just a lot of pumping the ball forward, a lot of um, clogging up the middle. They were playing, I would call it five, two, two, one. Um, so that box midfield with a back five, um, making it difficult uh, for the Red Bulls to do anything when they had the ball. And then also being willing to just dump the ball long rather than be pressed. Um, and, you know, if you take the press, I mean, we know this from some of DC's teams that have been bad against the Red Bulls and still played them close. Um, if you remember, a couple, there were a couple playoff matches where the Red Bulls were clearly the better team and DC still played the game pretty close um, just by basically saying, okay, we're going to take your high press off the table um, by playing long. And if we happen to snatch a goal on a set piece or whatever, that's great. Um, and that's kind of what Orlando did. It, it They, you know, they made sure that there just wasn't much of a game. Um, they made it extraordinarily ugly. And uh, the red, the red, it, normally the Red Bulls are the team that make games ugly. They make the other team look bad. Um, and Orlando basically out uglied the Red Bulls. And yeah, I don't think it's sustainable. I think if you played this game over again, uh, 10 times, the Red Bulls would probably win seven of them. Um, but Orlando desperately needed something to go right. They desperately needed a game where they didn't shoot themselves in the foot like they did against Montreal uh, the week before. They made a ton of lineup changes, I think. Um, aside from changing, they'd played 4-3-3 against Montreal, and then they changed to the 5-2-2-1. Um, I think they made five uh, 
changes to their lineup in terms of personnel and then also had different guys in different roles. They had um, uh, Carlos Asquez was playing as a defensive midfielder when he's really a center back. Um, so they, they did, I mean, they dropped Dom Dwyer um, for um, uh, Santiago Patino, who they wanted as a homegrown and MLS wouldn't allow them to sign him as a homegrown. So then they drafted him. Basically, this is the um, Philadelphia and Keegan Rosenberry thing all over again. I don't know if Kansas City is why Orlando couldn't get Patino as a homegrown. Just but assume it is. Yeah, why not? Um, that sounds like Peter Vermees. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. That, so they, you know, Dom Dwyer gets dropped, which is a surprise. Um, it's still very chop and change with Orlando, but they found a way to cancel the game of soccer, essentially, and, you know, scrap their way to a, a result. Um, and given how bad they've been at trying every other thing, they might do it again at home because they're going to come in and know that, you know, player for player, DC has, I don't know, nine or 10 better starters than, than the, their opposite number for Orlando. I don't know who from Orlando would actually start based on current form would actually start over their DC counterpart. Um, so there's a, there's an argument for Orlando doing this exact same thing, even though it's a home game for them. I think you kind of pre-answered uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, I said that this was, I think I, I, I should have confirmed this before we recorded and didn't, I think this was Orlando's second win over a, a 12 month period. Um, they've been really, really bad. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to know why that is because that's been across multiple coaches. They were bad under Adrian Heath. They were even worse under Jason Christ and under James O'Connor last year, they were really bad still. Um, what, what is it about this team that, that just makes them so bad year after year? Uh, it's, it's kind of a perfect storm. Um, their roster isn't very good. I mean, that's more than anything. It turns out in soccer, if you have good players, you'll succeed. And if you don't have good players, you won't. Um, that's part of it is, is talent evaluation has been really bad for them. Um, and there's also a pretty substantial lack of continuity. Like if you look at, if you, if you're a fan who has a feel for what the roster looked like in 2018 for Orlando, if you look at their 18 against, um, the Red Bulls, it's a bunch of guys that weren't there last year. Um, I think it's for, it, it's like it's over 10 players in their 18 that just weren't in Orlando last year at all. Um, well, what was funny about, about that last year, they, they were widely considered to have won the off season going into yes. last year. They made a lot of moves over the, the winter to, you know, give Jason Christ the best possible chance to, to go out and, and win games for them. And they were terrible. When jumping yeah. back in about the, uh, their win loss record last year, I just pulled it up. Uh, we are still within a year where they actually won uh, within this past year. They won. They've won nine games because they had okay. that they had that early I, I, six game winning streak, and then one two, and then after May after May sixth, they want that they have won three games after May sixth, twenty eighteen. Okay, so I was severely overstating it. I, that was my bad. But yeah. Um, yeah. If you but, just moved your your statement forward to the beginning of May instead of the beginning of April, you would have been right. Okay. 
I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> Eleven month period, but, not twelve month period. Yeah, basically. But yeah, you know, with with Christ, they they picked out talented players that didn't fit what he was trying to do and that didn't complement one another. Um, it was like it reminds me of someone's first game playing football manager and you just sign talents and you don't think of the balance of ability. And this was like that. Um, you also had Christ not knowing exactly what to do with certain guys. And so, you know, someone like um, Uri Roselle, who was great in Kansas city ends up barely playing a part for Orlando, though he did actually play really well when they came to Audi field. Um, he had a goal and an assist and was generally one of the only Orlando players that was still doing smart things after the red card. Um, so it was, it was just a mismatch all over the place. And that is maybe part of maybe the biggest part of their problem, other than not having that many good players is that, um, there's no patience. There's no, there's never been an attempt to just build something concrete. And some of that is that if you've got Adrian Heath and, Jason Christ at his worst uh, leading that attempt to build something concrete. You're not going to get something very good at the end. Um, and that has shown. So it's, it's really this mix of bad leadership, bad talent evaluation. And, you know, the players themselves have also been disappointing. I think that's, um, I mean, outside of, you know, question has done the best he can, but he's surrounded by guys that are on the same page as him. Um, it's, it's just been, one thing after another, they have a bad track record as far as keeping players healthy and on the field. Um, I think they've got, I don't, I don't know that they've got the absolute most games missed uh, for injuries, but it's definitely up there. And it's a lot of preventable stuff there. This isn't a team that's been struck by bad luck. This is a team that has a bunch of hamstring strains. Um, And when you have six guys with hamstring strains, you start to be suspicious that someone's doing something wrong, uh, getting them prepared for, to, to play. So it's just been a bunch of a bunch of little things. Um, the locker room doesn't seem particularly together. You've got a lot of personalities that don't necessarily uh, like to play together. Um, you know, we mentioned Will Johnson. I don't think anyone would consider Will Johnson the kind of guy that you want to hang out with. Um, Dom Dwyer is very much about provoking other people and and provoking reactions out of them. I can see that. When the season is going bad, I can see him turning on his teammates pretty quickly, I would imagine. Um, you've got a lot of that going on. Um, it's just, it's not a mix of players, front office, everything. It just, it's, it's like it's set up to fail and they, they need like a two year, three year overhaul. Like they need to just chip away at this thing rather than thinking that they can silver bullet their way to, um, being good again or being good for the first time. Um, and unfortunately, that's kind of the way their ownership group wants it to be. They want things to be solved immediately. And it's a problem that can't be solved immediately because it's all tied up. It's all tangled. So looking at on the field stuff, we know they have Dwyer, they have question, they have some talented players. What is it they're going to try to do on the field? Well, that's I mean, that, the fact that they went to Red Bull Arena and won is really complicating things because previously um, I think what they would have tried to do is play out of this, you know, um, they've been playing a lot of variations on a back three or a back five. Um, it's a little more transition based soccer than possession soccer. Um, but 
the fact that they won by basically just killing the game, um, it gives, I mean, they haven't had any reason to feel good about any of their choices. And now they finally had one that worked. Um, it's, it's hard to say because it is a home game. So you generally as a home team don't want to, um, bunker down, but it also bunkering down, got them their first win in ages. Um, it's the first time they looked like a team that might have some idea what to do with themselves in a long time. So, um, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one to scout after, um, you know, if it had been, if this game had come last week, instead of them playing and, and winning at Red Bull arena, I would, I would know exactly what they were going to do. But now that they've had success changing, you know, they've changed their plan and it actually worked. You know, I wonder, I wonder if I don't know enough about James O'Connor at this point to know whether he's going to be the kind of guy who is like, look, this something finally worked. Let's stick with it. Or if he's the kind of guy who is like, well, that worked for a road game, but at home, we're going to play our style of soccer. Um, I hope he says that because they are bad at that. Um, <laughs> when they're at home and they play their style of soccer, generally the games are very fractious and everyone, everyone's working hard, but no one's thinking, no one's taking, you know, any showing any patience on the ball. It's just a lot of um, blood and thunder and no brain. Um, a lot of emotions rather than um, any sort of thoughtfulness and they get caught up and they usually make mistakes. Maybe they make more mistakes than their opponent because they've got a lot of guys that are mistake prone. Um, right now, you know, Orlando's famously um, uh, patient and temperate fan base who never, ever go online and scream at people for nothing. Um, they certainly don't dox referees. No, they no, would have never. They would never, ever. Uh, the last fan base that would do that. Um, they are very unhappy with. Shane wait, wait, wait. I, th- I, I think you mean they are the last fan base that did that. Well, yes, if we're going to give away our uh, bit here. Um, thanks, Adam. Um, yes. Yep. <laughs> I'm here to explain um, the jokes, guys. But uh, they they are on unha- Shane O'Neill keeps starting, um, keeps making mistakes and they keep getting mad at him, though. Again, they got through this last game without him um, doing anything too uh, ridiculous. Uh, whereas against Montreal, he was mistake prone constantly. Um, you know, they've got some guys coming back from injuries. Lamina Sane, um, hasn't played that much though. Of course, given that last year he was terrible, maybe it's good that he's coming back, um, and able to play a little bit. Um, yeah, it's, if they were to play that way, I think DC would have a very easy time dispatching them. If they were to play their normal, um, typical home game, uh, business, I think, it would be another game where DC ended up playing 11 on 10 at some point. It's, it's that kind of team. Um, but I don't, I don't know. They've, they've, the fact that they won this game has really left a lot of questions out there, though. I still think DC should be able to go there and, and beat this team. Um, they are the better team. They're better coached. Um, they've got a better bench. It's across the board, a more talented team, but you know, we see this in MLS all the time where a team that's been terrible for months gets has one game go their way and all of a sudden they find their feet and start playing much better. Um, so that, you know, this is a trickier game this week than it would have. I mean, last week it would have been easy. Um, the Red Bulls should be ashamed of themselves, not just for being the Red Bulls, but also for losing to uh, this Orlando team. But it has made life more difficult for DC because now the dead confidence that just wasn't there for Orlando. Suddenly they've got something to build on. 
So the question is, if you're facing a totally unpredictable opponent, like Orlando City seems to be, how do you game plan for them? My gut says you don't. You know, you, you do to an extent. You you know where their threats are and and you can look at their tendencies that may have um existed across both the their their garbage games and their random win at, at RBA. But for the most part, I think if you're DC United, Jason, you you just go in and you play your game. You turn them into a corn cop? You wish them into the cornfield? Are we talking about the same thing? No. no. If you if you get owned, you turn into a corn cob. That's that's a science fact, um, or an internet fact. Uh, I same think difference. The, the thing with Orlando, and I think this is going to even if they hunker down and try and kill the game again, uh, the thing with Orlando's home games that makes them so unpleasant to watch is just that uh, everyone gets mad. Um, they've got so many guys on their team that that are trying to provoke things that then lose control themselves and commit ugly fouls and then wonder, well, what did I do wrong? Um, you know, if we remember last year that in the opener, Christian Higuita uh, hit Yamil Asad in the face and then was like, well, what's wrong with that? Um, and their whole team gets mad. Like, how could you punish this uh, face punch with anything? It's crazy. Um, and that's how all of their games go there. When NYCFC went down there, it was like that. Um, Montreal recently went down there and the game ended with a fight, um, that, you know, the one mistake Montreal really made on the, the, in that game was Zakaria Diallo getting himself a red card in a game that was already settled. Um, you yeah, have both to- of those, yeah, they were, those games have all been memorable for one reason or another NYCFC. They, for whatever reason, they sat Dom Dwyer and uh, Nani and put them in as subs and came back from a two goal deficit. The Diallo incident winning at Red Bull Arena, their games have all been noteworthy in some way, just not necessarily for good soccer. Yeah. And, you know, the games are at home with Orlando. It's always heavy on emotion. And, you know, generally speaking, the team that controls their emotions better in those games, especially given DC is the more talented team. So if they get caught up in this sort of thing, it's not to their benefit. Um, it, it reduces the game down to something closer to a coin toss. And you don't, as the more talented team, you don't want that to be the case. So a lot of it is that emotional prep to know that Orlando's players are going to be trying to take cheap shots. They're going to be kicking you. They're going to be running their mouths. Um, they're going to be unpleasant to play against in, not in the difficult to play against sense, but in the, these guys are jerks and they're going to behave in uh, the manner that a jerk would. Um, and so you've got to go out there and actually be, you know, you've got to be able to shrug some of that off. So guys like Lucho, for example, um, have got to prepare for someone like Christian Higuita or, you know, Will Johnson missed the last game with a concussion, but if he's back, you know, Will Johnson's going to kick uh, Lucho in the ankle three or four times for no good reason. Um, you've got to be able to take that and move on without getting into too much trouble. Um you've got to channel it towards doing what you're better at, which is soccer um, rather than, you know, turning it into a running argument. Um, If DC goes down there and they're emotionally settled and they play their, their game, they should win. Um, It's just a matter of actually doing that, especially if Orlando decides to sit in and kill the game, because then, I mean, when you pack, when you've got, if they do that again, we're talking about a team playing five in the back, 
plus two holding midfielders, um, there's not a lot of space. There's not a lot of places to go. So the game might take a while. It might be a game that requires patience. Um, you might, you know, it might be a game where halftime comes around and we're looking at, you know, five shot attempts, four shot attempts for DC. It might be one of those. Um, but you've got to keep at it because when Orlando plays like that, most likely it's kind of a first goal win sort of game. Um, and DC should still be able to win that kind of game as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think the main thing isn't so much because of the very, the variable it is, how are they going to, how are Orlando actually going to tactically approach the game? Um, I think the major concern has to be about, can you keep yourself on an even keel? Can you stay focused? Um, play DC United soccer, which I think is really well suited for um, causing Orlando problems. If you go back and watch the Montreal game, the last game Orlando had at home, um, Montreal didn't sit deep. They came out and and sort of worked the same sporadic on and off high press that we talked about last week that DC has been doing. Um, and they got two goals out of it. You know, 15 minutes in, they're two nothing up. Now, one of those was just a catastrophic back pass mistake uh, under very, you know, token high pressure rather than real high pressure. But um, Orlando makes mistakes like that. So you've got to pounce when they give you those uh, openings, you've got to do something with them. Um, But overall, I think my main concern is more if Orlando turns this into a game about emotions and who can be um, the tough guy, then that's not great for DC. That, that brings Orlando closer to DC's level by bringing DC down. Um, if this is ga- uh, purely a game about playing soccer, then DC is the better soccer team. They should be able to win the game. Um, but Orlando tends to these games, t- their games at home tend to be really unpleasant to watch. I- I've had to watch um, to scout Orlando and then to scout NYCFC. I've seen, I think I've seen all of their home games this season, actually. Now that I think about it and they've all been like among the worst soccer games I've watched in 2019. And it's, it's because of how Orlando plays and how they, you know, it's just, it's unpleasant. Um, They're and not I even do, at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, it, it's just, it, it's the attitude. Adam, it's, don't mention my worst favorite, my worst stadium. <laughs> Can you imagine uh, Orlando uh, hosting games at, at uh, Yankee Stadium? They uh, would just set the fire, like there would be little literal fire on the field the entire time. They, they would just be poking people with fire sticks. I was going to say it would open a, a portal into hell. So I, I think we're on the same yeah. page. Um I was going to yeah. go with building a barricade, like a literal barricade of garbage. <laughs> Are you talking about uh, like a, the front uh, of the box? A, a Le Miserable barricade? A, a, exactly. Dom Dwyer up there. Will you join in our crusade? You know, no, no, we, they, they don't deserve that. They don't deserve that. Uh, that heroicness. They, they are the, they are the French army. <laughs> so who's Javert? Uh, is it question? Is, is it is it O'Connor? Who's Javert? I think it's Dom Dwyer. Uh, I'm not. I, I'm not equipped to go. Rooney is definitely Jean Valjean. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Like I said, I'm not gonna go any further into this. I'm not going to put. Just like is if L- Orlando moves to New York, they are. So is Lucho go all in on something? So is Lucho Marius? Yes, Lucho is definitely Marius. If if uh, if Rooney is Jean Valjean, yes. All right, that I'll grant you. 
that 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 connection makes perfect sense and that's also where we're going to end the show thank you all very much for listening find us at blackandredunited.com if you feel like supporting us financially do that at patreon.com slash filibuster we're on twitter at filibuster dcu at black and red U, at the underscore amt at chest rockwell 14 at bru bromley follow us on on twitter if you feel like hearing or reading i guess what we have to say if you feel like hearing what we have to say you can do that by just keep listening if you don't want to hear what we have to say what the hell are you doing this is the end of the episode why do you torture yourself so emails uh to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com as always we accept love letters hate mail and advertising inquiries um find us on itunes stitcher and wherever you happen to get your podcasts download subscribe i'm told ratings and reviews are helpful in spreading the word i like it when you tell a friend about the show that that's something that that i think is really kind of kind of neat word of mouth is always good that's it for us for jason and ben i'm adam and we'll talk at you again real soon say goodbye jason Coco the Talking Ape has been living high on the hog, wasting our tax, dollar, tax dollars on high-capacity diapers. No more. I will suplex that beast. Of